Liam, you sound sad. Did your did your romance movie make you sad? Yeah. And welcome to Creativity and Chaos, a 1L2N podcast. I am Amy, and we are joined by some fifth grade band students getting ready for their first concert today. <laughs> Missy? My flute is stuck. Mike? I ate my clarinet. Tommy? Hot cross buns. And the fifth grader who forgot he took band, Liam? Yeah. We are a family of creatives going through the story writing process, and we're bringing you along for the ride. Hello, everyone. That concert, am I right? Whew, we did such a good job. So fun fact, I took band for two years in elementary school using mom's flute, and two of the keys were broken, and I didn't know it and couldn't understand why it sounded so terrible. <laughs> no, I think it was oh, just you, Missy. They were stuck. And then mom later on was like, the flute needs a total overhaul. And then mom, dad bought me a flute and I didn't take flute after that. <laughs> I wanted to play saxophone so bad. Like that was like, oh yeah, I was going to play saxophone. And then a series of tragic events happened where I wasn't allowed. And then my life was forever changed. <laughs> oh gosh. That's a, why you're the, the evil the, mastermind you are today. This is the dark timeline. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it is. If you can play saxophone, you can play flute and vice versa because they use almost the exact same finger positions for the keys. Hmm. Fun facts with Missy. So how's everyone doing this week? We finished Halo. Yeah, I think we should talk about that on another episode. That sounds fair. (laughs) (laughs) Because I, I feel like it's a really good spoiler example of how not to tell a story in video games. Yeah. Yeah. Teaser. So get ready to listen to that on a different episode, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> I did stats homework for like 12 hours on Wednesday. That was fun. I came home, what was it, that Thursday, and I was really tired, but you were even more tired because I joined the Discord, and the first thing you did was like, you were like, ha, 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 And I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> He's tired. <laughs> yeah. For Specifically for the, the this week, we had to do problems by hand to show that we could do the math behind it as opposed to using any kind of like excel or r studio or any kind of calculation type program so we just had to write out the equations and all the steps and it was very tedious i had one problem for like three and a half hours and i still got it wrong i don't know how i i looked over and over and over again i re-inputted all the data and all that and it was still wrong but whatever they could see the steps i did to make it wrong so (laughs) so i work for a call center and We have a lot of different companies within the call center and I learned a new company within like my division and we were kind of asking like, you know, why did you choose us? And they're like, oh, it's because, you know, you guys are very eloquent in the way you speak to the consumers. And and so, you know, we're trying to train new people for it. And we're like, oh, okay, just based off of. Some of the emails that we already got, the way that you have to interact with these people is the products they're buying are way more expensive. So you mm. basically have to kiss their butts to no end to be like, whatever you need, I'll help you out with anything. I was like, oh, okay. Mm. I see why they only picked a certain kind of person for this training because it's definitely takes a certain kind of person to to deal with these people. So it'll be interesting going forward, seeing what's going to happen. So it was definitely a really long week. Last week was probably the longest week that I've had at the job. And it wasn't even the training portion. It's just like the week would not end. And now that the end of the week is here, I'm like, oh, crap. Yeah. So, oh, well. 
Anyways, people are the worst. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm about to tell a pretty good people story. So for my work, we're going to have the farm. <laughs> we do markets. And I was in charge of one of those markets. And it was it was slow. You know, it was basically just drop off orders. And I had this one customer come over and ask me a bunch of stuff. She's like, do you want a coffee? I'm going inside. Like, I can get you coffee and get anything you want. I'm like, no, I really appreciate that. But thank you. Like, it's fine. She came out with like a bunch of cookies. And she's like, here, take a snickerdoodle. And I was Aww. like, oh, oh, thank you a lot. And she's like, yeah, it has cinnamon, which is an antioxidant, which is why I get them. You know, it's an excuse. And she starts walking away. She she was like, at least that's what I tell myself. I'm full of shit. And then she just keeps walking away, giggling to herself. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I love that. More of that would be great. Cinnamon is an anti-inflammatory as well. There we go. That's why she... A digestive aid. <laughs> so it's a health benefit. Yeah, if you, if you want a great health benefit, eat an entire spoonful of cinnamon all don't, at once. Don't do it. No. Don't no. do it. No one listen to Facts. her. Do not do it. We're not going through that challenge again. Absolutely not. I guess it's almost 20 years old at this point. Mm. Yeah, geez. Yeah. What? All right, let's bring it back. We need some nostalgia. <laughs> if, if your mouth gets dry, chug an entire gallon of milk afterwards. Oh, gosh, <laughs> no. Okay, that's something they did do when I was in school. Don't do it's it. It's just like cinnamon milk then. It'll be fine. Mm -hmm. It's like chocolate milk. It's the more advanced version of milk you could just skip the process and just eat like cinnamon toast crunch that cinnamon milk oh, now you're thinking with portals there's, there's a hispanic beverage that's basically like that that yeah. it's so good <laughs> really really that's good bad. basically cinnamon cream it's like cinnamon milks it's creamy and cinnamony and fantastic it's i believe it's rice water with mm like spices, including cinnamon. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like the Hispanic version of chai tea. It's mm. really, really good. Well, enough chit-chat from <laughs> us crazy nonstop chit-chatters. We got some romance movies to talk about. Oh. So if you didn't listen to last episode, we were talking about the tropes and things that you're going to find in romance movies, whether they're a rom-com, a chick flick, a regular romance movie, time period piece, whatever, as long as love is like the main plot line of the story. So we all were assigned different movies that we hadn't seen before. And so now we're going to kind of go through those and talk about all of the, uh, the tropes or the ridiculousness that we found within those movies. Anyone want to start us off? Who here watched their movie today? Me. Debbie, me. It's also me. Oh, okay. Our last minute homework doers, guys. Yes. Oops. I totally forgot. Hey, I still got it done. Procrastinate until you. I'll figure the rest out later. <laughs> um, that's, that's what procrastinators do. Just roll the dice. Yeah. Ooh. Get a five sided die. I have a five sided Five sided die. coin. That's why you use a 10-sided die. No, because then that's two numbers. You can't roll two numbers. Watch me. Tommy, you're up. All right. All right. So my assigned movie was A Star Is Born or Was Born? A Star Is Born? A Star Is Born. There we go. Overall, I actually really enjoyed this movie. I thought it was a pretty good movie. And I think it was a pretty good movie because it really didn't have any of the romance tropes. Oh, dang it. <laughs> like, I had to add a few in there. There's there's a few that I added. I added substance abuse slash an addiction because I feel like there's always something like that. I added persistence on one particular person. 
because I feel like oh, in like romance wearing things, somebody like, down until exactly yeah yep. And then I did awkward flirting slash changing the subject. Oh okay. So those those were the the three that I added that I felt like oh man they feel like a little bit of a trope, but they all happened within the first thirty minutes of the movie. After that, it was just, I don't know, it was more of a drama than a romance story, but it definitely was a romance story. It's basically about a popular singer slash songwriter who is struggling with substance abuse that happens to go into like a bar and then finds this wonderful singer and then he falls in love with her. It's just about the story of him trying to make her a star, essentially. And it really focuses on her becoming a star rather than the love they had together. Like, I think the love they had together is pretty secondary, but still important to the story. I don't know. It was a good story that wasn't as focused on romance as I thought it was going to be. All right. So we'll get you another movie that you have to watch this week. And yeah. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I mean, it has. Um, it has. I'm so <laughs> done with my personal choices and I blame everyone. Uh, no, it, it was it was a pretty decent movie. I, I'm leaving it spoiler free. I don't want to really delve into it, but. I know that for that movie, I had to look it up right here. It has been remade three times. That is the third remake of it. It was originally yeah. in 1937, 1954, 1976, and now 2018. Wow. Mm-hmm. So it was written, directed, and starred by Bradley Cooper. That man did a lot of it. Yeah, I remember it getting really good reviews in general. And I, I always thought that it was a romance movie, but it was more of a drama than anything. So you've confirmed what I knew about it. Thank you. <laughs> so if you had to sum it up in one sentence, either like how you feel about the movie or how the movie made you feel hmm. or your impression of the movie. It went by really quickly, didn't it? <laughs> Why did it the go thing by really is, quickly, Tommy? I think that is, and this is because I, I took that out of it. I watched this movie at like 1.3 speed essentially the entire time to finish right before the podcast fin- exactly oh to finish before the podcast. yeah and setting that aside it felt like a lot of the events did happen fast in this movie it was just and it wasn't just the fact that i was literally watching it fast it was because from scene to scene it felt like oh we're at this point of our lives next scene we've just skipped we're like oh we're like four weeks into the relationship in the exact next scene i'm like what 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 that was yeah that actually is my super complaint is that there wasn't any will they won't they it it was they are and they will again that's what was happening i'm telling you it is great it builds that tension and you're like oh they finally did yes but when they do in the very beginning you're like oh okay I believe the reason why that was the case was because this was more of a drama and less of a romantic. It was like, again, the romantic stuff was secondary comparative to the actual story. So what As you're saying it is, should be. first of all, <laughs> shut your face. <laughs> How dare. So what you're saying, though, is that it was a fail of a movie because there wasn't enough romance in it. It was... A W, because I didn't have to watch a romance movie. <laughs> how, how believable was the romance in it? If I had a scale on a 0 to 10, uh, 6. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, like, just so above bad. average. And I think that's due to the fact that, like, the main character, like, Bradley Cooper. In any normal st- circumstances, if that character wasn't who he was, it wouldn't be believable. But his character really sold it hmm. for me. So Okay. All right, next up. Oh, that's me. 
Hmm. Hmm. So, yeah. Interesting. <laughs> okay. All right. I sorry. Did you guys want to go? You can go instead. Would you like to talk about no, your movie? No. Right? The die no. has spaken. Okay. Even if you're the one that spake through it. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy. So I had Australia, and this movie never interested me, and it still doesn't interest me after I've seen it. So. <laughs> oh man. It was weird. This movie didn't really know what it wanted to be. It started off like really weird and quirky. And then by the end, it was like like a drama-esque vibe to it. So it, it felt like it was multiple different movies within one movie. It was two hours and 45 minutes long. My goodness, too much. But essentially, it stars Nicole Kidman and Hugh Jackman. Nicole Kidman is going to Australia because her husband owns a cattle ranch in Australia. And she basically is telling him, I want you to just sell it off so you can come home because you've been gone for years now and I'm sick of this. I want you back in England. And she goes there. And her husband has been murdered. And now, of course, she has to run the ranch herself because... Gosh darn it, <laughs> that's what you're I'm gonna do kind of kind of vibe. So it was definitely the first thing I noticed was like the fish definitely out fish out of water. Yeah. Absolutely. Especially because she was the English road in the the wild Australian outback. And um they're called drovers. They're essentially the people who round up the cattle. The drover she had that was running her husband's farm or whatever turned out to be like the bad guy and you knew that pretty much from the beginning and so she fires him and that's where Hugh Jackman's character comes in is that she hires him because he's the drover and that's literally like his name in the entire movie is the drover so then of course it's like they don't like each other so they're fighting and but then through the power of you know movie magic they wind up falling for each other because she's plucky and she can ride a horse and she can help out with the cattle droving. And like it, it was really, really cheesy. The movie takes place during World War II. So towards the end, the Japanese were bombing Australia. And so it, it went from this like kind of quirky romance about this cattle drover to like them trying to survive World War II bombings. And it it felt like the movie could have ended in so many different places. And then they're like, cool, we're going to continue. And now it's a different vibe for the movie. So like the romance movie was really only like the beginning of the movie. And then like a third of the way through, bad things started happening and the movie shifted. And then towards the end, the movie shifted again. So it was it was weird. It felt like it could have ended and it kept going with like new, new things to cross along the lover's path to make their romance more tragic because they wind up falling in love and everything's good and everything. But of course, you need that typical, oh, no, something bad's going to happen to break us apart and test our relationship, that kind of stuff. One of the characters says to Hugh Jackman's character, he goes, you've got no love in your heart, no dreaming, no story, no nothing. And that's when like Hugh Jackman realizes, I love her. Oh, no. And it was just so corny because it felt like like he couldn't figure it out on his own until his friend told him, you have no love in your heart, but you love her. You know, that kind of feeling. There was a lot of miscommunication. Like I said, the fish out of water. It, I guess that is a, also another trope that you can find in a lot of romance movies is like completely oblivious to something obvious. Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And they throughout the whole thing, they kept mentioning the Wizard of Oz and 
through the music, a lot of the musical motifs was somewhere over the rainbow, but like done in different ways, which I thought was nice, but it was so overplayed. And at the very end, they kept, what did they say? Oh yeah. They were like, I think it's time, time to go back to the ranch. And she was like, there's no place like home. And I'm like, oh, come on. Like it, it was just, it was weird. Cause it was like a, it was, went from like romance to drama to world war two movie like it, it it didn't really know what it wanted to be it wasn't that great even the whole romance thing was like pretty predictable and like kind of forced and cheesy and so yeah honestly I love romance movies this one wasn't this one wasn't it but there was a big ball where he showed up and she was all dressed to the nines and then he was all dressed to the nines and you know they both got drunk and they lost their inhibition to finally tell each other like I like you you know like so the typical romancy tropes that happen but i don't know so you loved it <laughs> i actually didn't i don't ever want to watch it again it's because it didn't was a watch war movie place. and not it a was. romance movie it turned out to be a war movie uh, just... i've been bamboozled <laughs> <laughs> they drew you in with the romance and made you stick around through the war, the war. exactly so as mike asked me how believable was the the main relationship also, while you're thinking about that, I think one thing we should think about when we're asking how believable is a relationship is also is it believable in context of the world and the setting? Because those are two totally different things, right? Oh, yeah. So, Tommy, let's go back to you real quick. How believable was the relationship within the world that they were telling the story? I'm still going to stay stay with my six. I truly do believe the way they set it up, it felt like a six. Like it was like, oh yeah, it's kind of getting there, but it's only working because of him. It doesn't make much sense for her to go through with it, but it made sense for him to fall in love with her or something like that. So, Amy? I would say probably six as well. It seemed a little forced, but I also understand that like if I was put in that situation, he helped out a lot with the ranch and he was there and so it would make sense that they kind of fall in love if they like the way that they talked and the way that they interacted with each other it it made sense that they would fall in love it was just it felt very ridiculous like yeah of course they're gonna fall in love rather than like it didn't feel as effortless as i feel like some other ones would interesting mike you're up next I watched La La Land. So I heard about this. It's won a couple Oscars. The the concept that I knew about it ahead of time was that it was a musical and it was set in L.A. And it was between an actress and a piano player. And it was, you know, a romance story. The first 30 minutes of the film were definitely a musical. At the very intro, you had your grand spectacle of a musical on a highway and it is you know a lot of people singing and dancing and then at 15 minutes in you have another big uh, singing number or everybody's singing and dancing so to start off you're like okay this is a musical and then it slowly strips that away in a kind of interesting way after that i think there's only two songs there's a slow song that's very short that ryan gosling sings and later on there's a solo song that emma stone sings Those are the two leads, obviously. I found a lot of tropes in here, but it wasn't super overdone. First, a a note is that this was a pretty gorgeous movie. It was very colorful, and they intentionally used a lot of colors in certain scenes, especially blue seemed to be a blue and green were two like tonally 
color settings. So it was, it was interesting to watch that sort of aspect. The musical aspect did not do it for me. I've never been a person that likes musicals that are about like love and joy. I like strange musicals or things that are just like weird. And musicals to me also work much, much better in person than they do on film, especially big dance numbers. But one of the strengths that they had with this is that they didn't cut away for the big dance numbers. They tried to do long single shots or, you know, melded single shots. So it gave it a little bit more intrigue to the way that they were doing it. So here's some of the tropes that I noticed. Right in the beginning, you have the enemies to lovers trope. Very small amount of it, but it was in there. A separate trope that has nothing to do with romance, but I wrote it down because it was the first thing I wrote down, is that whenever there's a giant traffic scene, there's like nonstop horns honking and nobody does that. Mm. Nobody's constantly like beep, 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 beep. It always Drives annoyed me, me in every movie. Yeah, it's, still not, it's like, yes, I see it's traffic. I see it's not moving. You don't have to put in horns to let me know that people are in traffic. So that was another thing. Overall, you had a couple of instrumental music pieces where they're just dancing and you can see things going on, but it wasn't a lot of singing songs. I think four songs were sung and then three dance numbers. The music is definitely the standout piece of this by far. In fact, Tommy, I think you would really like a lot of this. The overall feeling I got from this was this is this was a love letter to Hollywood and to jazz music. And that was a blending of the two together. In fact, the person that wrote the music was Justin Hurwitz. He won an Oscar for this for best original score. And he won another Oscar for best achievement in music written for motion pictures, basically the original song one. He also did the composing for Whiplash. And I've not seen Whiplash, but I've heard it's a absolutely amazing movie. So now I'm super interested to see that. But the music was coming from like a, a musician sense. It was big band orchestra jazz for most of it, because that's your standard Broadway sort of sound. But it would have instruments placed in a really well mixed area. So you could constantly hear, okay, I know that the the oboe is right over there in that direction. Like you could point it out when you're listening on headphones. So music was fantastic for the whole thing, really focuses on jazz piano playing for most of it. Then we go into some more tropes. So the first act is getting to know each other. Woohoo! The second act starts with a line, I hate jazz, which Emma Stone says to the jazz player, which is Ryan Gosling. And you're like, oh, okay, I see what's going to happen here. And basically, he teaches her about jazz, and they, they flourish through the relationship, and then the relationship sort of gets torn apart in a little bit. So tropes then come success at the cost of love slash passion are you going to do what you really want to do or are you going to be with this love so it's love versus passion miscommunication about goals like if you just talked once in the entire thing <laughs> it would be a boring script but at least it would be you know <laughs> finding what you love versus what supports you which is often a difficult decision that's different than the love and the passion. And then one trope that I wrote down, which I don't know if anybody else had this, but I think it's very important to romance movies, is scheduling conflicts. There always seems to be like mm. that one event that somebody wants the other person to show up to. Oh, yeah. And all of a sudden they have some meeting or something that they didn't know about. They're like, oh, no, I can't believe this. Overall, these tropes weren't too bad. It was a very fantastical sort of setting. In the beginning, I didn't like the movie. The last 30 minutes were incredibly interesting. And I'm not going to talk about the ending because I think it's something that you might want to watch if, if you are thinking about that sort of idea. It had a bigger impact on me than I thought it would, not like emotional. I was just like, oh, that's, that's better than I thought as far as a romance sort of story. And yeah, overall, it's just the intersection of like jazz and Hollywood and 
the ideas of being caught up in the la la land of love and Los Angeles and those highs that you get from it and how you can sort of view things in different ways. So I'll answer my own question here. I think that the the relationship, the chemistry that Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone had was very good on screen. It was a, a fairly believable and it was exceptionally believable within the world that they created of, you know, everything could just break out into dance all at once. Acting was great. I, I would say overall, if you're interested in a more musically focused romance story, then you should probably go for it. What was your what was your rating out of 10? For their believability, probably seven or eight for both of them. It was it was pretty decent. Of course, there was there was those tropes, which sometimes it's hard to avoid, you know, specifically that one like the miscommunication. How are you going to build drama or tension in a, a short script? If it's only two hours long, you need to have that moment where their relationship's breaking apart because of them just not saying what the other person needed to give them. And so I understand why that's in there. Perhaps there's a better way to write it. If you're thinking about writing something, maybe drop hints ahead of time. But this was definitely more of a music and visual movie as opposed to like the most solid screenplay. I can see why people liked it quite a bit. It was it was interesting enough. Liam. All right. So <laughs> basically. Oh, no, he used the line. He used the line. I watched The Notebook. It's a movie I was kind of interested in. But not at the same time. Mainly just because Ryan Gosling is in it. I love Ryan Gosling. I wanted to see it. But also at the same time, wasn't too interested. And like, I don't know when. It was sometime around a year ago. Amy explained the entire plot of the movie to me and mom. So I? I pretty much, yeah, I pretty much knew what most of the movie was about. My and what bad. was going to happen. Well, no, I asked you to. Because you're like, you're never going to see this, right? Like, no, I'm never going to watch this. Go ahead. And you were so excited to tell me the whole plot. (laughs) Whoops. I don't know why Liam heard it, but. I was in, I happened to be in the Discord at the time. Oh, okay. (laughs) I was there. Basically, it's it's about an old man in one of those nursing homes telling a love story to a woman, another old woman in a nursing home who has, what's the disease, what's the. Alzheimer's? Alzheimer's? Alzheimer's, yeah, Alzheimer's. She has Alzheimer's, so he's telling the story of a love life. Spoiler alert, it's their love life, the two of them. She just can't remember. Now, I knew that because I think it was supposed to be some kind of big reveal or something you're supposed to slowly figure out, but I already knew it. And to be honest, that wasn't. I wasn't really interested in that. I didn't really like that side of the movie. It was, it was all right. It was it was all right done. It was more the actual story that he was telling. The the love story I thought was really well done. It was it's the really only type of romantic story that I actually enjoy. Where at the beginning they're like they're pretty much kids. Ali has just finished school and the dude Ryan Gosling Noah he'd been working for a little bit and it was just a it was a summer love story at first and it all kind of went wrong towards the end. And so then they got split away from each other and weren't, didn't interact with each other for years and years. Her life, though she was sad, her life started to get a lot better. She comes from a very wealthy family. She found a very wealthy man, fell in love with him, and he was, he was actually a pretty decent guy. He seemed pretty cool. And during all this, uh, this takes place like a century, six takes like in the 30s. And so then World War II happened. The dude who comes from a really poor family in the South went to the war, tried to find meaning because he didn't have his love, Allie, which was kind of ripped away from him. They split away and his father died. 
forgot. That was pretty important. That he doesn't have a mother. We don't know what happened to her. Uh, but his father died, made him even more down. It's kind of sad. And so then he built his house. He wanted to build a dream house. <laughs> so he did that. But whose dream house was it? It was his, his dream. It was her dream house, wasn't it? No, it was his dream to own, to buy and build the house, but he wanted to share it with her. And so then she was like, oh, let's do this together during that summer. But then when she was ripped away by her parents, you know, and then their parents didn't allow any communication between the two, then it kind of fell apart. So then during all that wedding between the new guy she found, the cool guy, and her, what she went, for some reason, the wedding was down south. I don't know why. I think somebody was from down south, even though they lived well, in New York. All It's a Nicholas Sparks movie, and all of his movies and books take place in South Carolina or North Carolina. But I'm just trying to figure out why the wedding was in the south. Can I ask a question? Yeah. Does it matter for the sake of this conversation? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It completely matters because, because he still lived down south. And so she found... Uh, he built his house and he wound up on the newspaper. She flipped the newspaper, passed out, immediately went to him because they hadn't had any communication and they, they still thought about each other for years and years and years to come. So then the two of them, first off, aren't very good at relationships because they're both already in relationships before they find each other again. And they immediately fall for each other. I mean, this, the, it's like the second day they're back with each other, they're already just doing it and i'm like bro one's a fiance and the other one is in a another other one's in a relationship so i was like these two people they're not very good people but you know whatever it's a movie you gotta go after true love not the ones <laughs> yeah. that are there my least favorite True. Yeah, that's definitely it. has the trope of a relationship has to end or be torn apart in order for the re- main relationship to happen. Yeah, they try to paint the mother as the bad guy when I, I mean, she did do the terrible thing of not allowing any letters between the two of them. But overall, she she kind of went through the same thing as um Allie did. And she was just trying to look out for a daughter and it was pretty stupid but in the end they weren't going to have a full relationship just because Allie was going to go away no matter what it could only last the summer and so they try to make her seem like the bad guy the whole time when it's really these two disloyal people to their partners that are not really that great but it's whatever especially because the one Allie like the husband that Allie's with seems like a really great guy seems like he has all the qualities that Noah has but also is rich (laughs) with money yeah so eventually they kind of get back together the guy in fact her her fiance is so nice that he she just lets her get back together she's like yeah it's your choice it's whatever i want you i want what's best for you while the other guy noah and ali like fight all the time and are constantly not good to each other so I was like, okay, interesting. So they kind of get back with each other and it's like, oh, wow, it turns out these two old people talking to each other is, you know, it's really their love and they die with each other in the hospital bed. And it's like, yes, whatever. But one of my favorite parts about the movie is definitely the dialogue. The dialogue felt very real. It didn't feel like it was like a pre-script. It doesn't feel like it was a script. It didn't feel like you know, these people have already thought about what they said. It feels like they were actually like really responding to each other and were just coming up with things all along the way while they're thinking their thoughts. It was like, it, mm. it, it felt super real and super well done most of the time, except for like the first five minutes where Noah was a little weird. He was a little pushy on Allie. But I guess, I don't know, it was different times. So it was a more 
took place a century ago, so it was more like a chase and accept kind of time compared to today. But yeah, it, it, the dialogue, it was super well done. It felt like a, an actual love type thing until later on. But yeah, I mean, the notebook was good. It was nice. But um, I don't know. I, the whole aspect that they tried doing the old the old people telling the story like it was unique and it was it was well done. I understand what they're going for, but I think just the actual love story itself was a lot more important, a lot better done than that. At least it was more important to me. I liked it a lot more to me. But overall, good movie. Like Mike was asking, what would you rate the the realness of the relationship? I worded that wrong, but you know what I'm saying. The summer relationship, probably like a good nine. Nine and a half. Wow. It felt extremely real. It felt like an actual summer relationship between two young adults. And I was like, dang, it felt really real. Now, the, when they became adults, it was, I mean, kind of at first, their first interaction with each other. When they first met back up, I was like, yeah, that feels very real. But yeah, I feel like they, they move things too quickly for it to feel too real. Just for sake of story and in the world of how deeply in love with each other i kind of makes sense but i don't know it was more like a six at that point six and a half maybe seven but yeah i was very impressed with the, the young adult side of how amazingly not movie it felt hmm. i will have to say that i, I just to slightly add liam sparked there was a, a slight love triangle in la la land and there also was the we have to break the relationship down to understand true love so that very small aspect but when you mentioned that i was like oh yeah that's two more tropes that were in it <laughs> well of this one there was four loves a quadrangle yeah. <laughs> whoa <laughs> i think it's just a square a love trapezoid no no it's just a, square. a love rhombus love diamond anyways missy you're up next <laughs> well liam was there like a lasting impression that this gave you or like a quote that you would say or well, you're wa- walking away from it what was your final thought i wrote to you every day yeah that was that was good i my final thought was like man ryan gosling is such a good actor <laughs> i mean they both are <laughs> but i don't i don't watch her movies as much i know ryan gosling very well and he's an amazing actor he can do he can do it all I have to go back and find the quotes, but there's a lot of quotable moments and scenes, a lot of like really dang hit scenes. Not so much a quote from the movie, but if you were making your own quote about the movie. I'm not that high back. Okay, so Ryan Gosling is an amazing actor. Uh, yeah. That was, <laughs> that was yeah. Okay. On a so- slight side note, I because I watched a Ryan Gosling movie as well, I think that he's an amazing at being very minimal. I think that's his. Oh, key. definitely. Because there's a lot of times when you think that he should be going or expressing himself more, and it almost looks like he's he's a bad actor because he's not doing much. And I know that's been made fun of a lot, but I think that he does very minimal movements and very minimal acting to to portray his characters. And that's kind of almost what he's pigeonholed into because every character I can think of, Brian Gosling is like, yeah, he's oh, yeah. a little stoic and a little quiet and. But yeah. it, he he does it well. But it works. I'd say with this Ryan Gosling character, though he was, yeah, he's usually pretty quiet, pretty chill, laid back. He definitely seemed a lot more out there compared to Moses. He he got more angry. I feel like he got a lot more aggressive than compared to Moses' roles. He got a lot louder. But yeah, f- that is mostly true. He was pretty chill most of the time. Pretty laid back. Did your Ryan Gosling break out into jazz piano and song numbers? <laughs> no, he did oh. not. <laughs> One up on La La Land. <laughs> I'm sorry. All right. Missy, 
Well, speaking of minimalistic, my movie was Equals. I'd never heard of it before, but that's what I got assigned. And it stars Kristen Stewart and Nicholas Holt. I think I think I'm pronouncing that right. Apologies if I'm not. Nicholas Holt played the Beast. Yes. In um, X Men, X Men First Class, yeah, the one where they're and Days of Future Past, yeah, 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 Uh. yeah. That's the only thing I I really recalled knowing him from. Kristen Stewart, perfect role for her because it's about a world where emotions don't exist. Yeah, absolute perfect role. Basically, something is done to people genetically to suppress emotions before they're even born. But whatever that procedure is, in some people, it starts to become undone. And it's treated and considered like a disease. In fact, people are even afraid of you if you get diagnosed with this because they're afraid that they're going to catch it. It's considered degenerative progressive disease where most people kill themselves. There's a lot of suicide themes in this movie. Or if you make it far enough to the stage four of it, you basically get detained indefinitely in an institution where you either wind up killing yourself or uh, you go through horrible things that they're trying to do to suppress it. And sometimes you just get executed. So not great, right? So basically, the main character gets diagnosed with this and his emotions start activating and he winds up falling in love or being interested in at least Kristen Stewart's character and notices there's something different about her well it turns out she also has the disease but she was hiding herself she's what's called a hider she's never been to the doctor to get a diagnosis because she doesn't want the label and doesn't want to eventually have to go off so she's made a a life of of hiding herself from it but because he knows some of the signs he recognizes it in her and the two of them wind up falling in love and it's about them trying to hide their love from the world because if you're caught coupling like even touching another person is forbidden hand holding forbidden touching someone's face forbidden if you're caught doing that that's a death sentence so it's not even like oh we're gonna re-educate you no that's it life over so the stakes were very very high So that's the basic premise of the movie. Everything in this movie is extremely, extremely minimalistic. The dialogue, there's long sections in the movie where there's not even talking. Oh, it sounds beautiful, actually. (laughs) The set is... I do like that in films. Yeah, no, it's... and, And I'll explain in a moment why I think they did this. The set was very, very clean because it's a very future dystopia kind of setting, right? But where everything is kind of controlled and organized and perfect. So the set is very simple, even though it's very distinguished. It's still very simple. The, the costumes, extremely simple. The plot, very basic. The characters, there's almost, even though there's people everywhere, there are almost no characters in this movie. Very, very small amount of characters. The setup to their situation, you get like a 10, 20 second blurb about what's happened and then that's really it. The colors are completely muted throughout the movie. There's not, I mean, you have nature outside, you can wind up with a lot of green, but you have very minimal colors. And the music, instead of using like our current day pop culture music kind of woven in, almost every single piece in the movie is a classical piece that they've then taken and calmed it down and muted it. So absolutely everything about this movie is minimalistic, 
which in turn emphasizes the emotions that are occurring in this movie. Emotion is the main character of the movie. I thought it was done absolutely remarkably well. If you like what can be done minimalistically, but intentionally so, I think you would really enjoy this movie. Like I said, it had an extremely simple plot, yet the plot itself was intensely deep despite being simply simple, which counter that with what I tend to think of with your romance films that are have these weird complicated plots, but they're extremely shallow. So there wasn't really a lot of your typical romance tropes in this movie. It definitely had the forbidden love trope. I mean, the whole movie is about forbidden love. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, that's all that's happening. It's like literally the only thing happening in this movie. It sort of kind of had love at first sight because when the guy, I think his name is Silas, when he kind of realizes there's something off and he notices that Nia, there's something off with her. Like from that moment on, he's fixated on her. So it also does have that kind of like man fixated or stalking the object of his affection trope going on, which is usually really creepy and unsettling in most movies but in this movie it's him just trying to understand like what's happening to him and why is she different than everyone else around me it definitely focuses a lot on like the exploration of whether or not love is worth it because in this case it's like denying yourself love or death is kind of the two options they're facing so you've got the whole relationship faces trial sort of thing as well but aside from that i didn't really find any other tropes hmm. you, you tend to find romance films that have a lot of like, graphic sexual content or nudity and there was zero of that in this but it was one of the most sensual movies in the moments where they are making contact with each other because they don't even understand what it is to to touch one another's hand and they do such a beautiful job of turning that into an extremely sensual moment just holding hands and i think the whole movie is made to it's like designed to make you feel individual emotions instead of being overwhelmed by an abundance of them so overall i would say it's a story about love and fear and it ends kind of on a cliffhanger it lets you decide what direction it goes uh, i won't spoil how it ends but i definitely think they leave it open-ended maybe not a cliffhanger but definitely open-ended so you can kind of imagine the possibilities of where it ends but then the the name of the movie equals i have no idea why it's called equals it's not brought that word's not covered once that i know of in the movie i think it's called equals because <laughs> everyone's supposed to be equal in their I emotions guess. and stuff or their lack of emotions I guess, but they don't even like nod to that aspect of it. So it's just ah, these, like, it was an awkward films. name. It was made by A24, and A24 is like a production oh. company. Oh, a, that's a bunch of indie style kind of things are getting bigger with their productions, but I'm assuming that they probably just had a drawer full of names and they picked it out <laughs> because that seems to be how they name most of their yeah. their things. So Okay, that would actually make perfect sense. Yeah, I don't know. So if you're looking for what type of movie this is, I would say The Giver meets The Island meets Romeo and Juliet. Yeah, that actually was a great description. It felt very, very much like The Giver, except it focuses specifically on love instead of contribution to society what do you, what rating do you give it probably nine or ten out of ten it was wow. there was no mistaking that these two people were utterly and completely in love with each other however when you step back you realize that's because they had no other options 
Yeah. It's just the two of them who have this disease, who who have their emotions awakening. So anyone else had noticed that about them, they would have been turned in immediately. Nobody questions or tolerates that kind of thing whatsoever. So with no other option, of course, they're kind of naturally put together because that's just who they have available kind of like island of the blue lagoon sort of thing when that's the only other person available to you yes you're gonna fall in love whether or not you should that's a whole nother thing but (laughs) yeah because they had no other options they were they were definitely madly in love with each other so it was interesting to watch a movie like a romance film that's set in a dystopia because typically that kind of sci-fi genre it's about the world and the genre itself whereas this was without a doubt a romance film that happened to be in that setting so i i thoroughly enjoyed the movie i thought it was fantastically done i did it guys i did you it kind of, that beginning description you had of it <laughs> just describing a society and its minimalism and then on top of it the way it's filmed designed mm-hmm. acted the dialogue yeah, that pretty much sold me. I'm like, oh, that, this sounds interesting. It sounds like we all watched a movie that we needed to watch. Like Liam needed to watch a good romance. Tommy needed to watch something he could fast forward through. Missy needed to watch a sci-fi. <laughs> I needed to watch something that was focused on music. And Amy needed to watch a movie that says that romance movies are dumb. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> no, this movie was dumb. So watching this, I'm like, okay, this isn't really a sci-fi movie. This is a romance movie that has a sci-fi world kind of built around it and made me stop and think about romance films in general. I don't like romantic comedies. I don't like comedy involved in romance films at all. I, I hate it. I I loathe it. But I realized that there are a slew of romance films out there that I actually really do enjoy, but none of them are comedic. Um, they're either extremely dramatic or they're tragic romance and this film i would almost put in its borderline romantic tragedy because of of the setting of what's going on around them but i really do tend to like that kind of setting the last week i think i talked about last of the mohicans i really enjoy that movie i like titanic i love the movie moulin rouge and all of those are in one way or another romantic tragedies so it, it, this definitely helped change my opinion, shift it a little or form a better opinion about romantic movies by narrowing down the definition of what I like instead of just completely dismissing romantic films outright. There you go. Okay. That's awesome. Very cool takeaway. I learned something about myself through this assignment. <laughs> and I learned that sometimes romance can't save a movie. <laughs> <laughs> No, that that's really cool. I I was excited for you to watch that one because I had actually watched it last week. And which I'm is so glad had... you saw it ahead of time. I was like trying not to spoil it for you because I really wanted you to see it. Yeah, no, I I'd, I'd seen it last week, which is why I I was like, yeah, I think you should watch this because it it is a really really well done story. And now knowing there was it's a twenty two. 24. 24, sorry. Mm-hmm. Now knowing that it's an A24 movie, I'm like, okay, that makes sense because they do some fantastic movies. Mm-hmm. And it and it stinks because like I do love romance movies and stuff like that. I was like, man, I want people to see this. So the fact that you saw it and you actually enjoyed it, I'm like, <laughs> yes, there's hope for my movie taste. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm excited that you, were, that you enjoyed it. How, how did everyone else... I know we kind of talked about it. Would you recommend the movies that you saw to other people? 
I wouldn't say 100%. I I took it like temper your expectations for my movie cuz I, I I went in with just the highest praise from everyone who saw it, seen it. This is the greatest romance movie ever and I'm like, "Oh yeah." Fast forward. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't fast forward. I watched the whole thing. I just watched that was, it a little fast. I was going forward fast. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> so I would recommend it, but I ain't going to say it's the best thing since sliced bread. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. It's tough to recommend it for me. I think there's a lot for everybody, but if you are not into music, specifically like the musical aspect of it, which is not overwhelming, it can be a little bit of a dragger for a film. But if you were interested in in an exploration of jazz and a, a nostalgia trip about L.A. and jazz in general, then it's probably worth watching. Yeah, it's a movie, man. Um, some love in it, and if you want a good romance with some nice little twists or some whatever, definitely watch it. It it um it feels. What what does it feel like? It feels. It feels okay. It's a movie, man. It feels. <laughs> For my movie, I don't think that I would recommend it, although I know that there would be people out there that would enjoy it. But as far as the rewatchability of it, I'm personally, I don't think that it has good rewatchability. And so I, I don't know. I just think that there's a lot, a lot better stories out there that you could watch or listen to. If you like Hugh Jackman with a beard, Definitely watch it though, because mm, he was he was tasty. So that if you want to watch Hugh Jackman with a beard, then watch it. If you don't care, then just find something else. Go watch Equals. <laughs> so overall, because I think a lot of the movies, except for Liam's, weren't typical like romance quote unquote movies. I think it's interesting to hear Missy you saying that it kind of has changed your opinion about the kind of romance movies that you or stories in general that you like so how do people feel about romance within movies or within stories has this changed anybody else's opinion or i think my opinion has been reaffirmed that i love romance when it isn't the main subject i like two things it's uh, parks and recs agents of shield the office had a bunch of this is the reason why I stuck around for most of those shows is because I was I wanted to see through the character arcs and the romances. And I, I love that and I love elements within that. That will they won't they is really fun. But it's when it isn't the main focus. When it's more of like a B story, I kinda live live for that. That's fun. You know, I think I, I would kind of agree with Tommy and maybe expand it a bit. I enjoy ensemble romances, but I find that on a one-to-one level that will they, won't they, especially when they put it in the backdrop of something like a war or something where there's bigger stakes, I find it to be almost petty to watch. And I guess it pulls me out of that in in a strange way. I don't mind romance in anything. I think that it can add a a huge layer uh, of complexity and a chemistry to characters. But I think that if you're going to put it as your primary focus, it's not something that's going to necessarily interest me because I understand the subject of love. It's not something you know new to me. And it's it's not a, a deeper character question at that point. It feels mm-hmm. just more like, OK, I, I know where this is going. So I don't think it changed my mind, but I, I, it was I, I'm glad I at least watched it. Mm-hmm. What about you, Amy? I think what I said before that. I I love romance movies, always have, always will. 
But I think sometimes even a good romance doesn't help save a storyline necessarily. And I don't think my opinion about romance has really changed, but it's definitely, I mean, I like crappy movies in general. It's interesting to see a movie that had that romance as a main focus and to just kind of walk away being like, meh, that was okay. So I don't think my opinions necessarily change. Like I'll still watch movies that have romance in it. And I I think that they're, I like them because I think that they add a bit of flavor to whatever story you're telling. And I find that a lot of times when I'm reading a story or watching a movie or a TV show, like Tommy was saying with Parks and Rec and stuff, like that show is really funny, but you do kind of stick around because you're like, I, I want to see these these character romance arcs all the way through. I want to see what's going to happen with them. And I know for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., <laughs> that was definitely yeah. a huge reason why I stuck around. Entire so reason I stuck around. I think a lot of times for me, romance movies are the reason why I stick around with stories. And that's probably why I saw Australia all the way through, because <laughs> there was that romance in there. <laughs> when we did our disaster films, we decided to rank them one to five. <laughs> I distinctly remember point. having watched the worst one. <laughs> <laughs> well, Emi's sounds like a five. Yeah, that <laughs> was number five. That does not sound Trust me enjoyable. On to me, it feels like we have the end, which is Emi's, in the beginning, which is Missy's, I feel like. Equals seems like a pretty strong contender yeah, just for I, a good film. So it's hard It's hard to say because I also would probably put La La Land up there as a contender. I know I probably wasn't super excited by it, and I, it, my recommendation couldn't be a 100%, but there's a reason why it won a bunch of Oscars, and that's... That's a hard thing to say no to, not trying to like yeah. lessen it. I think from our perspective, yeah, yours is probably number one, Missy. It just sounds more interesting. I think it's fine. I don't think we have to like there's definitely going to be bias because we all lean so towards a certain type of way. But yeah, mm-hmm. I believe that's for the audience to also to decipher. And I think it's OK leaning a certain way, knowing that. That's the way we usually lean or something like that. I will say I've seen pretty much all of these movies except for Tommy's A Star is Born. And I am not really a big fan of La La Land. However, I would probably put La La Land at the top. Having seen it, understanding what people like. And I think people would like La La Land more than they would like Equals. Although I really enjoy Equals more. I think La La Land has more to offer as a movie. It sounds like to me that Equals probably has the better romance, but La La Land absolutely has, I can guarantee, better music and cinematography. So if you're talking about a film package overall, it's 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 a weird, you know. Yeah. And Equals definitely had some some issues with not the plot or anything, but sometimes the audio and the visual wouldn't line up. Like you hear or you watch someone chewing food, but the sound of them chewing doesn't match them chewing. I hate that. And it had some sound design issues that made dialogue hard to hear because of the music. How they even screwed up what a bumblebee was versus a honeybee. Like that really irritated me. (laughs) (laughs) So it it had some flaws with it. So I can understand cinematically La La Land ranking higher. La La Land equals notebook the notebook I the notebook say. a star is, star born. is born australia, australia. Yeah. Yeah, yeah sure that sounds good to me sure all right guys you heard it here first that's our that's <laughs> our ranking <laughs> <laughs> we heard it first but now you're hearing it so it's fine 
I do want to give a, a slight shout out because I probably didn't say it in my review, but Emma Stone did do an exceptional job. She did win the Oscar for her performance. And I've seen her in a lot of stuff, and I think she's very versatile. And she did a great job in multiple layers of acting here. Some were intentionally cheesy, some were very dramatic. So, but for a musical, you know what I mean? And it's okay to kind of have like the cheesy oh, it, and the dramatic and, all. And in specifically, one. she's an actress auditioning and she does bad auditions for parts and she does them so well that you're like, ooh, yeah, that's bad. But you like it. I don't know. That's all. And just a shout out because, you know, I feel like we talk about the Ryan Goslings, but not necessarily the Emma Stones. I would say for all the crap that Kristen Stewart gets about having no emotions or no depth of emotion, she gets the opportunity to portray that to its fullest and does a great job. But she also gets the opportunity and equals to pour out her emotions and does a phenomenal job with that as well. She showed the full edges of the spectrum with emotion. Tommy, actually, I do want to ask, because Lady Gaga is the in your movie. Did she mm-hmm. do a good job acting? I think she did a great job acting when it came to when she's fully a star and when it came to just being a normal person. But I think the thing that bothered me most about her performance when she was like nervous going up on stage for the first time, it just it, you could already see that she she's she is a like a stage performer. She's good at what she does and I think she was bad at faking that she was, you know, bad at it. Like mm-hmm. no, you're good at this. We know you're good at this when it was it wasn't believable that she wasn't or that she was nervous at least yeah. to me. That's that's the only part of her performance I was like I didn't like but other than that I was she like, was well. too good at it to fake being bad at it. Exactly. That's pretty much my which is a pretty good complaint to have, I feel like. <laughs> I will say Nicole Kidman had to sing in this movie because she was singing to like a little kid. She's like, I'm a terrible singer. But at the end, she was like belting the notes out. And I was like, come on, like you're you you're not a bad singer. But she had to like pretend like she was a bad singer. Yeah. And I've seen like, Moulin Rouge. She's in there. Right yeah, now. I've seen, I've seen uh, Moulin Rouge. I know. I yeah. know you can sing. Don't give me that. That wraps up what our romance two part shenanigans that we had. Hopefully you guys enjoyed your experience, those listening and all of us here. We would love to hear from you. What are some of your favorite romance movies? Have you seen any of the ones that we watch? What are your thoughts about our ranking? Did you like it? Do you agree with it? Go watch all of them and let us know what you think. If you want to reach us, we are on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Reddit as 1L2N Productions, or you can head on over to our website, which is 1L2N Productions.com. And if you like what we're doing and you want to help show your support, you can head on over to our Patreon. And the last word of the day is going to go to Liam. Take it away. If you put water on a man, he'll be cold. If you put him in the North Pole, he'll be freezing. (laughs) 